I'm excited to see all the gifts in this body begin to flourish and begin to express themselves because that's what it means to be a body. If it's built on two or three people, it's not the body. So you didn't come here this morning for a a cinema experience. If you did, you're in the wrong place because you'll probably feel very uncomfortable. Um, But if you came here to sit and watch a show, um, we're really not about that. We're about family. We're about the body. We want to see the body transformed to be like Jesus. We want to see you being like Christ, living in the, in the likeness of Jesus, um, and, and whatever it is that God's put in you, that expression of God that only you can express needs to be expressed in this house, in this body, so that the world can look at us and see Jesus. Um, it's a, I just love how God wants to use us. He wants to do it with every single one of us. He could do it on his own, but he actually chose to do it with us because he's in love with us. It blows my mind. You know, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of young people about this whole, why did God give us free will? Like, if he knew we were going to mess up, why would he give us the chance to do that? And I remember when I was going through that process in my head, what the Lord said to me is he said, if you didn't have the choice to love me, you wouldn't know true love. You can't know true love unless you get to choose it, right? If we were all just robots, we'd all just do the, the Jesus thing, but we wouldn't know what it means to have a relationship with the Lord. So he actually says, I have to put two trees in the garden because actually the nature of God is I'm a rewarder. And because I'm a rewarder, you have to choose. You get to choose. It's a privilege. It's not a burden. The, life of, the lifestyle of faith, living by faith is not a burden. When that, when that changed in my head, my whole life changed because suddenly it was like, when I get to heaven, I won't need to live by faith. He's going to be right in front of me. I'm going to see him all the time. So here on the earth, he gives me the choice. I get to choose to love him. I get to choose to walk in intimacy with him. It's not a burden. It's a privilege. So I wake up every day and I go, though I might not see him in the flesh right now, I'm one with him in the spirit. And I want to live a life that all this time on the earth, if I learn to live by faith, when I get to heaven, it's going to feel like home anyway. Because I was already living there. The only difference is that I'm seeing him right in front of me. I can't wait. Does that make sense? So I just want to encourage you with that and say, come on, this is the life that he's called us to. And what I want to share this morning, honestly, I believe it's changing my life still. And, and um, every time I preach, I preach the same message from a thousand different angles because it's a core message. It's just in me. This is what God's done in my life. Um, and, and I believe it's the gospel. I believe it's just the undiluted gospel that changes us. And, and you can preach it from so many different angles, but it ends up just being the same thing. And that's that he loves us. He loves us so much. He really, really does. Um, Jessica, she's at the back, but I love her story of, you know, she was at our church and for a whole year, everyone in the church just kept telling her, oh, you don't understand. God loves you so much. He loves you so much. For a whole year. And she came to me, she's like, everyone keeps telling me that he loves me. Like, I know. Why does everyone keep saying this? And after a year, suddenly she had this encounter, the penny dropped and she's like, he loves me. And she was a mess, man. She's like, oh, he loves me. And it changed her whole life. A whole year of people just speaking that over. But when it clicks, when you get it, it changes everything. So I just wanted to encourage you with that. I, um, if it wasn't for the outrageous grace of Jesus and the incredible mercy and grace of the local church, I wouldn't be where I am today. I always say that, but it's so real to me. Because um, I've learned family in the mess. And what I want to talk about today is, is if, you don't, if you're not comfortable in the mess, if you're not comfortable with being transparent and vulnerable with family, you won't understand what I'm going to teach on today. And I've learned to be transparent with the Lord. I've learned how to be vulnerable with Him. But I realize that with that actually comes being transparent and vulnerable with this family. Because this is the family that I get to walk with for eternity. Um, my biological family is actually training me how to operate in this family not the other way around. And so I just want you to understand that God's 100% okay with your mess. He's not intimidated by your mess. He's not intimidated by your struggles. He's not intimidated by what you think are failures and disappointments. He's not intimidated by the fact that maybe in tough situations you didn't really handle them very well. Maybe you made a mistake in your business. He's not intimidated by all of that. And I want you to settle that on your heart and say, actually, God's in my mess. He's in my process, and he's about to turn the whole thing around. Okay, so as long as you understand that we're going to be good. When I've preached identity and I've preached on knowing God, and, I've, and honestly, it's my passion. Every day, 
When I read this Bible, that's what jumps out of me. It's like I was created to know God. I was created to be one with God. Um, for me, everything else comes out of that. If we don't understand that, if we don't understand that you were born for oneness and intimacy with God, do you understand what that means? Uh, let me put it this way. Maybe it'll just let the penny drop. You were created to have the same relationship with God that Jesus does. You were created to share in the same union as the Trinity share with each other. Does that make you God? No. But what it does make you is family. So you were created as family. The master plan of God from the very beginning wasn't just to have an army, wasn't just to have servants. It was to have sons and daughters that would know who they are in Jesus, would be transformed to become like him and shine on the earth. Right? I've realized, and I've, I've preached this, and, and every time I preach it, I feel like, I, oh, I've got it. I finally got it. Yay, thank you, Jesus. Then I go back and read Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, and I'm like, I, don't, I haven't got it. I've got to go back, and I've got to go again. I'm, oh, there's so much more. I've missed all of this stuff. I read the same scriptures that I've read 6,000 times, and something new jumps out of me, and I'm like, Lord, there's so much more. And this last little, little while, over the last couple of weeks, he's been speaking to me about oneness with him, and I've been going, Lord, I, I've missed this thing of oneness. I've, I've misunderstood you know, just when you think, being one with Him is not just that we get to have relationship at any time. Being one with Him is that He actually replaces everything inside of me that's not of Him and, and puts Him there. So He fills the gap. So my old nature, every attribute of my old fallen nature actually disappears when I give Holy Spirit the time to do that. See, think about this for a second. Your personality, how did you get that? Most of us will say, well, God created me with that kind of personality. Yeah, well, just think about this for a second. I was a little kid, introverted. Um, my schoolmates that are here will know this. Introverted during the early years of my school career. Um, really shy, uh, people pleaser, teacher's pet, just like quiet dude. Suddenly I go through something in high school that's horrific and really messes me up. And because of all the hurt and stuff that I was dealing with, suddenly I become extroverted because that's the best way to defend myself. And so now my personality starts to get shaped by experiences, starts to get defined by things that I go through. And the next thing you know, I'm actually defined by my experiences, not by truth, right? You getting this? So why do we use being an introvert or being an extrovert or whatever it is that you want to define your personality as, why do we use that as an excuse not to be like Jesus? So I've realized that Holy Spirit, when He comes and becomes one with me, now our spirits have joined, we've become one. When that starts to happen, He replaces every attribute of my old nature. It goes away, it disappears. It's no longer part of who I am, and He replaces it with the likeness of Jesus. What's so incredible about God is you would think, surely if He did that with all of us, we'd all just be the same robot Jesus people. No, actually there's an expression of God inside of you that only you can express. You shine Jesus, Jesus in a way that no one else can. That's why the master plan of the Father has always been the body. Is this making sense? Come on, I love this, man. See, if you don't understand your identity in Jesus, you won't understand what I'm saying. So maybe let's go there. Even now, after all these years of preaching this message and of letting this thing change my own life, this week I go back and I go over the scriptures and I still realize that my perspective wasn't 100% clear and one and single and healthy. Because I started to realize that what we do, and I'm speaking for myself, and I can, I can imagine that most of you do feel this as well. What we do... We're on this journey with the Lord. We're going towards everything that He's called us to, growing in relationship with the Lord, and then suddenly we trip up and we make a mistake. Suddenly we shout at your spouse, or you shout at your kid in, out of anger, or you kick the dog, or you <laughs> whatever. You do something, something that you feel you've decided in your head is failure, right? And then what we do is we take that failure and we put it between us and God. He didn't put it there. We pick it up and we put it between us and God and suddenly we feel distance from Him. And we go, man, I can't believe I'm supposed to be like Jesus. This is the road that I'm walking. And now why would I, if I, if I do that, surely then I haven't actually got this. And so we start to wrestle with this whole thing. And what we do is we take the focus off of Jesus and we put it on our disappointment or our failure. Right? And so what happens is what you get is Christians that live mountain to valley relationships with the Lord. 
High moments with the Lord, low moments. Oh, where is God? Wow, she's not speaking to me. I don't hear his voice. Next moment, whoa, it's just swirly presence of God. Next moment, oh, I just don't even know. Is he even here? So our days start to look so erratic that we don't actually look like Jesus. And the world's looking at us and getting totally confused because they're like, what is going on? Yesterday, he was telling me about Jesus in the office and was so excited. And today, he's depressed and swearing at me. (laughs) See what I'm saying? We've got to understand that it has nothing to do with what you've done or haven't done. Your relationship with the Lord, when when he says that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, he means nothing. Nothing. No situation, no storm, no disappointment, no failure. And again, the way I want to say it is no failure that you've decided is a failure. Isn't it funny how we decide which ones actually separate us from God? I kicked the dog. Oh, that's fine. God's still, we still, we're still in, you know, in oneness. But I swore at my wife. Oh my goodness, Lord, what have I done? We're so, can you, can you see what I'm saying? We decide what the failure is. Here's the thing. After the blood of Jesus, because of what he did, there is no failure in God. Only opportunities to be transformed. How good is this, man? This, I, this is what he told me yesterday. And I was like, just. Think about this. There is no failure in God because of the blood of Jesus. Let me, ask, let me put it this way. Why would Jesus pay the price that he did, pay the ultimate price, lay his life down, get whipped and broken and beaten as bad as he did, only for the next mistake you make to still separate you? It just makes no sense. Come on. Why would, why would he go through all that he went through only for what we decided is a failure to separate us from him? It just doesn't make sense, right? So we've got to start to see our relationship with the Lord the same way that He does. Because a lot of the time what we do is we're looking for freedom in a moment. You might be feeling some emotions. You might be feeling a whole lot of stuff going through some internal things. Whatever it is, you know what it is. And you're going, God, I just, I just need that thing lifted. I need that thing removed. I don't, I don't want that in my life. And what we're waiting for is a moment where he goes, Phew, and it disappears. And we go, oh, thank God. And guess what? Those moments happen. And you can experience freedom in a moment, but you will never sustain it and keep it without intimacy and relationship with the Lord. I'll tell you why. Because if you have that moment, oh, and think about this, that moment where oh, that thing lifts and you just feel so free. Oh, thank you, Jesus, I can breathe again. Actually, what you're doing is you're being led by feelings. Because the next time that something happens and that thing comes back on you and you feel that, suddenly you question whether you actually got free or not. The problem wasn't whether you got free or not here. The problem was you didn't sustain freedom and intimacy with Jesus. Because it's intimacy with Jesus. It's intimacy with the Holy Spirit that keeps you free. How do I know this? Because without Holy Spirit, I can do nothing. John 15, abide in the vine. If we don't abide in Him, apart from Him, we can do nothing. It's in the Bible. Go read it. I don't have time. It's there. So if apart from Him, I can do nothing, then I've realized that actually it's Holy Spirit that keeps me free. It's Holy Spirit that keeps me walking in the truth. So every day, now that I've experienced freedom, every day with Holy Spirit, if I surrender and I give Him my yes and I actually allow Him the time to shape me and mold me and journey with me and do things in my life, because just by the way, what you give your time to is what you prioritize the most. It's just the truth, right? The reason why most of your day is filled with your job is because you've prioritized your job because it pays the bills. So why do we not take that same concept and think of that in the Spirit? What you give your time to is what you prioritize. But now every day, if I prioritize Holy Spirit, I've given Him time. He has my whole life, not just five minutes, not 20 minutes, the whole thing. And He's speaking into my life, and He is leading me and guiding me. Then every situation that I face, He's the one who leads me through. It's only in that place that I can experience true freedom. It's only in that place that I can experience true intimacy and relationship with the Lord. And the beautiful thing is it's not based on right and wrong. It's based on love. The gospel has been preached as this right and wrong thing about whether you failed or whether you got it right. And here's the thing. Outside of Jesus, you will get it wrong every day of the week, every time. It's just a fact. When God gave the law, it was to expose our need for a Savior. It was to actually show us that we can't do it on our own. It was never there for us to try and achieve it. And we've still got Christians today that are 
got their little elastic bands and whacking themselves every time they make a mistake because they're trying so hard to fix themselves. And what happens is the only thing that that produces is an intellectual, academic understanding of God with no depth, no relationship, and no fruit in your life. Because you can't produce fruit without the Holy Spirit. We want to be Christians. Here's the thing. Sometimes we jump to what God's got for us and miss what He's doing right now. Sometimes we're so quick to see, I saw that Christians can lay hands on the sick and the sick will get healed. We need to go start praying for the sick. Absolutely, 100%. Just don't miss what He's doing right now. In this situation, in this moment right now, He might just be creating a healthy root system so that the fruit that you produce isn't just temporary, but it's actually long-lasting. And I know this because when I started to see that you could go pray for the sick, I went everywhere. I asked the young guys, I was the guy that you went to Northgate on a Friday night. You didn't want to go to the mall with me. Because I was just like, I want to pray for everything that moves. Just like, And actually, it did more damage than it did good. Because it wasn't led by Holy Spirit. It was just, everyone needs to know. So you just walk, I'm just, poof, 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 Jesus, 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 just whacking everyone. And guys are going like, geez, thanks, man. You know, have a good day. And they like walk off. And I feel like, yes, I've done it. Come on, now let's go do another one. We've missed the whole thing. When we're led by Holy Spirit, He's the one drawing them. See, but what we do is we jump to that and we miss. Actually, it's about relationship. Everything flows from relationship. If you don't have relationship with Holy Spirit, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Isn't it funny that talking about how we were created for intimacy with Jesus? Deuteronomy, I think it's 6.5. Was it 6.5? Yeah, 6 verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. doesn't really leave room for anything else. Think about that for a second. All your heart. All your soul, mind, will, and emotions, and all your strength. All your strength. <laughs> I started to realize, I was going, actually, this whole thing was designed for intimacy with the Lord. The way that I'm created was designed for relationship. It can't just be about ticking boxes. It can't just be, we can't jump to fruit before we've established roots. And I think there's an immaturity in the church because we are so swayed by every theology, doctrine, revelation that's coming off of YouTube, Facebook, and everything that we listen to, that we've built the foundations of our Christian life on all these different things, but we actually have no depth of relationship ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a moment. Or we're watching TVN every day, and we're listening to all these things, and it's so awesome, and we feel like we're growing because we're writing notes, man. Three journals down, and I'm getting stuff, and, and I feel like I'm putting things in, but I don't even know the voice of God. Isn't that an interesting thing? And I'll tell you how you know. When the storm comes. See, you can have your scriptures on your fridge. And they're awesome and they look great and they're really cool to say. But when the storm comes, is that a reality in your life? Because the only way it becomes a reality in your life is through the Holy Spirit. Man, I love Him so much. You know what I love about God? He's like, I'm going to set this thing up in a way that basically you have to do nothing other than say yes, and I'll do the rest. Do you realize that? It blows me away. Like the, the reason why we can have joy that's unshakable is because I wake up every day, and the only thing that he's asking me to do is say yes. And he's like, dude, I got this. I'm going to shape you, mold you, change you. You're going to become more like Jesus. You just be obedient to me and watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to change the world through you. All those inadequacies, all those things that you think you can't do, you're 100% correct. You can't. But guess what? I can. And I'm going to pick you up. And I'm going to take something that was broken, make it beautiful, and use it as my hands and feet on the earth. That's the gospel. That's the good news. See, I love the ministry of reconciliation. That's what Jesus did. He reconciled lost sons and daughters to their father. And then... In 2 Corinthians 5, it actually says that we've now been entrusted with that message. We've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation the same way Jesus has. What he's saying is, well, you carry the same heart that you'd be prepared to give your life the way that I did for them. And then what's incredible is there's this little line where he says, we plead with you, be reconciled to God. After he's just explained what you were called to do. What is he saying? He's saying, if you're not reconciled, how do you minister reconciliation? If you're not living reconciled to God, how do you become a minister of reconciliation? 
We can't be Christians that go around that talk the talk, but there's no demonstration in our lives. We can't be churches that are built around discussion systems and programs, but with no depth, no power, no demonstration of heaven on earth. It doesn't come through trying really hard. It comes through surrender. It comes through saying, God, actually, my life is yours. What do you want to do? This church is yours. When I come, mm, when I come to church, isn't it funny that I won't be late for a business meeting, but I'm okay with being late to church? <laughs> or I don't have time for home group, but I've got time for gym. <laughs> I, the reason why I'm questioning these things is I'm saying, where are we? See, we can't be Christians that, that love to talk the talk, debate, and have all these discussions and whatever, but our lives show no fruit of a believer. We can't be believers on a Sunday morning, but from Monday to Saturday, we live lives just like unbelievers do. What I'm trying to share today is that you won't get that right if you don't have intimacy and relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's the mystery of the gospel. It's die to live, surrender to win. It's incredible. And the reason why it is that way is because that's the best way. It gets us out of the way so that God can be God. So if we begin to understand that in this journey of relationship with the Holy Spirit, every old fallen attribute of my old nature is, 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 it's fallen away, it's, it's removed, and suddenly he begins to recreate my personality in him. He begins to give me a brand new way of thinking. He begins to change not just my thoughts, but change my thinking patterns, the way that I think. I thought I knew this, folks. Yesterday Jesus just wrecked me, and I was going, man, I've got to go back and go through this stuff again. I want, and I want to encourage you, everything that I preach is, in fact, most of the stuff that I preach I haven't actually fully outworked in my own life yet. Everything that I'm sharing with you is I'm going, this is what God's doing in me. I think he could be doing it in you too. Let's go on this journey together because we're a family, we're a body. So I'm not preaching at you this morning. I'm sharing something that excites me because this is what God's doing in my life. He's going, actually, Connor, there's so much more. You know, when I, I love, one of my passions is seeing people transformed by the gospel. I love to see someone that went from just a mess to suddenly like on fire for Jesus, right? Like the discipleship process for me, I, just, I live for that. But I've realized that without Holy Spirit, without that oneness that I have to have with Him, I can't even do that well. Like I've just realized I can't actually do anything. I can't even encourage you. I can't even sit with you and actually try and help you through anything. I can't, I can't do none of that. Unless I have this oneness with the Holy Spirit. Because what happens is when I'm one with Him, it's His thoughts, it's His emotions, it's His feelings. If I'm led by mine, then I might allow the sin in your life to produce sin in mine. But if I'm led by the Holy Spirit, then suddenly it's His mind, it's His heart. And I'm going, wow, God, this is actually how you feel about this person. This is actually what you think about the situation. Because let's be honest, this tiny puny little brain in our heads... Why do we feel like this thing can fully understand God? Why do we feel like we can intellectually figure out how God operates? <laughs> it's just weird to me. Like, why would we think that we have anything to offer outside of Jesus? I just, I've got to the place where I'm like, I just don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't have anything to offer. But in Holy Spirit, when He comes and He puts the mind of Christ, and He's revealing the thoughts of Jesus about these people, and He's showing me His heart. Now when I minister, there's an authority because it's coming from Him, not from me. Does this make sense? In Romans chapter 5, verse 2, I love this. I'm reading it from the Passion Translation, so it, it won't sound exactly like your Bible, but I love the way that he has, that Brian Simmons has worded this. It's just, it's beautiful. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. <laughs> oh, that makes me happy. I mean, he's literally saying, dude, don't stress out. I'll, I'll just give you a perfect relationship. And all you have to do is just believe. But here's the thing about believing, right? I always use this example with the chairs. But I didn't see any of you come into the church today and, and check your chair out before you sat in it. 
Like none of you picked it up and tested it and put some weight on it and then thought, okay, okay, cool, I can sit on this thing. You just came in and you sat down because you fully, fully believed. You were convinced that the chair is going to hold you up. It wasn't a discussion. It wasn't even a thought in your head. You just walked in and sat down. Why do we not live the same way with Jesus? I'm fully, fully convinced that I have a perfect relationship with him. I'm totally convinced that he will hold me up. So I'm not swayed by all these different things. I'm convinced. I know that nothing can shake this. Nothing can change this. I was born for this. See, we've made faith a tool for a better day, because that's what Christianity has become for majority of the church, rather than actually the perspective of the gospel that we live by. So what we do is we live day to day, and when the storm comes or a situation comes, we take faith and we try and plug it into a situation to make that situation better. (laughs) come on, you know what I'm talking about. Prayer chains. Oh my word, I broke my foot and I'm in hospital and I I need to tell a million different people to get praying for me because I can't have this right now. And so I'm not against people praying for you, but if that becomes the tool for you to get better, then you've missed what faith is all about. (laughs) You okay? I wish you guys could stand here and actually see faces. It's brilliant. I love it so much. I've had to learn to love it. At first, it can be quite intimidating. Max knows what I'm talking about, right? Sometimes we could tell our faces that Jesus is on the throne. But are you, are you understanding what I'm saying here? You, you can take faith and you can use it as a tool for a better day. And I promise you now, you'll live mountain to valley. It's not Christianity. It's not life in Him. And it leads to death. It, there's a way that seems right to man, even within so-called Christianity, and its end is death and destruction. But there's a new and living way, which is in Jesus, which looks nothing like that way. It's what makes us strange and peculiar, because we're, we're a people that live one with the Lord. We live in oneness, we live in union with Him, we live in intimacy with Him, and it's in that place that we begin to look like Him, because it's not in our own efforts, it's in Him. And that's when faith begins to become a perspective that we view life by. It's, it, be, it becomes the way that we think. It becomes the way that we operate. Because how many people actually know what the definition of faith is? And I'm not talking about out of the scriptural um, thing. I'm talking about the English Oxford Dictionary. You know what the definition of faith is? Complete trust, complete dependence, complete reliance, and complete confidence in somebody else's ability and not your own. Whoa. So maybe faith, being the perspective of the gospel that we live by, is actually just complete trust in Jesus, complete reliance on Him, complete dependence on Him, and complete confidence in His ability and not my own. And in that space, I'm transformed. How good is that? Hmm. Yeah, I'm hearing from the sound desk. I love the fact that it's never, ever been about us trying to get it right. I I just love it. I love the fact that it's never been about right and wrong. God's like, I dealt with that. The reason why I paid the ultimate price was so that right and wrong never had to separate you from me again. Because it's my love that makes the wrong things right. Because it's my love that transforms you. It's my love that leads you to repentance. And repentance is not just a moment of, of sorrow. It's a godly sorrow that actually leads to a change in the way that you think. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you cry at the altar. <laughs> that, that might be a, a beautiful expression of repentance. But what repentance actually means is that you realize that everything that I've been living, the way I've been thinking is a lie. And actually that God has truth that He's going to come and put here. He's going to occupy my mind and He's going to give me a new way of thinking. I'm not trying to fix my thoughts. I'm not trying to find the seven ways to change my thinking patterns. I'm surrendering my mind to Jesus and saying, Father, thank you that you would divinely impart the mind of Christ to me so that I can actually think like you think, walk like you walk, and be like you are. Isn't that beautiful? Because you see, we have this thing inside of us where we have to have something to do. Like, surely we've got to have a system or a formula or something that we plug in that actually makes that thing happen. You're dead. I don't know about you, but a dead guy is not trying to figure out how to fix himself. 
So you think about it this way. Uh, my young guys love this, um, this analogy. If we died, everything that, everything that made us who we were before the revelation of Jesus Christ, all of that is dead, according to this book that you claim you believe in. You're dead. So why are we going back, digging up a dead corpse and playing puppets with it, when God's actually said, it's dead, finished, I've made you a brand new creation. Brand new creation. Not upgraded version, not slightly better, not a little bit of makeup. and No, brand new creation. Nothing is the same. Nothing. Your personality changes in Jesus. <laughs> it does. Why? Because how do you become like Jesus if you don't have his nature and his personality and his character? But the biggest thing that changes is the way that we see, the way that we view. Matthew chapter 5 or 6. If the eye is healthy, the whole body is full of life. If the eye is single, the whole body is full of life. The way that you see things is so important. Your perspective of the Father affects the way that you have relationship with Him. If you see God in a way where He can still be disappointed with you, He can still be frustrated with you, and I promise you now, some of us have been under grace teaching for years and years and years, and this foundational thing is still there. We still have this, this problem where we constantly put things between us and God, and God's going, I, I said it in another way at home group, I was like, why do we pick up the turd and put the turd between us and God? God's like, get the turd out of my face. I want to be with you. I want to be face to face with you. God, want, God is so desperate for intimacy with you. It's what he paid for. He didn't pay this ultimate price just to rescue you. See, our whole lives we've, we've been taught that Jesus died for your sins. No, Jesus died because of your sins. But he died for something a whole lot more valuable. Intimacy between father and sons and daughters. He had to die because of your sins. Yes, because of our sins, he had to pay the ultimate price. But if that's, if that's the reason why he died, the because, then all it is is a rescue mission. What's the point of being on the planet? He may as well die for us, beam us up, and get us out of here. But he didn't do that. He died for us, took our place, removed our sin, and then says, now because of that, I can actually reveal what you were created for. Your divine created purpose, the nature of God, sons and daughters. You were called to look like me. You were called to shine. Jesus becomes the prototype of what it looks like to be a Christian. He becomes the prototype of what it looks like to live in Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus have to have Holy Spirit while he was on the earth? Because he came 100% as a man so that he could model something for us so that we could live in it. And then he said, even greater things you'll do. Why are we 2,000 something years afterwards and we're still trying to get back to just doing what he was doing? The reason why is because we missed the foundational teachings of Jesus that were basically saying, you can't do it. Stop trying to do it on your own efforts and just surrender to Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will come and he will lead you into all truth. He's the one who transforms you. He's the one who changes you. He's the one who makes you brand new. When you surrender and yield to Him, that's when you begin to see heaven on earth. Every step that you take. Why? Because you become one with Him. Romans chapter 8, Holy Spirit is crying out on our behalf, Abba Father. Guess what that means? It means that even when you feel like you can't, He's doing it anyway. Even when you feel like, oh, I don't know if I can actually have that kind of intimacy. I just feel He's like, can you just be quiet? Abba Father. Abba Father, the closest way to call, your, call him your dad, the closest expression of father and son. He's saying that stays the same all the time. I actually want to read something to you in Romans chapter 8. Again, I'm reading from the Passion Translation just because I feel like he, he just adds some words that just color this thing up a little bit. And you go like, wow, this is... Uh, and, and by the way, the ESV is, is my favorite. Um, and I could read it out of there and be as touched. But there's just the way that he's word of this is so beautiful. Um, Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. 
Not just the guilt, the guilt and power of sin. Guess what that means? The effects of it. He didn't just get rid of your mistake. He got rid of your mistake and the effects of it, the consequences of it. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. That's what true life is. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. Oh man, we could just stay there for a little while. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. Isn't it funny how even Christians, we're filling auditoriums with people that are professing trust in the Lord, but every day are working their butts off for a system that we know is going to fail. Working our butts off because we're trusting in a system to provide for us more than we're trusting in Him. I can't say no to this because that pays the bills. What you're saying is, I prioritize and I trust in this system more than I trust in my dad who was prepared, prepared to pay the ultimate sacrifice for me to actually be with me. I don't know about you, but I've never heard a story of someone who completely trusted in Jesus and was let down. It just never happened. I've met people that say they trusted in Jesus, but then I look at the actions of their life and I'm like, no, you didn't. Taking your credit card and buying a Ferrari and then trusting God to pay that is not... Come on, right? <laughs> exact nice credit card, yeah. Apparently those exist, actually, where you can do that kind of thing, yeah. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves, but those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. Ooh. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. Let's jump down to verse 14. I love this. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting? The mature children of God. It didn't just say that. So, so here's the thing. Can you still be a Christian and, and live in the flesh? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm a son. I'm my dad's son, right? But I can choose to go move away and not have anything to do with it. It doesn't change the fact that I'm his son. See, you can have the title of sonship and not live like a son at all. And that's a sad day. Because what you're saying is I'd rather eat with the pigs than dine at the Feast of Kings. <laughs> you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned for as he rises up within us our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection beloved Father for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Full stop, end of the story, never to change. Verse 26, and in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for, but the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs to deeper words. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings, yet He also understands the desires of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, His holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. Ah. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. But we are His lovers who have been called to fulfill His design purpose. When you gave your life to Jesus, your dreams, your goals, your plans died. I don't know about you, but dead guys don't have dreams. <laughs> but He gives you His dreams, His plans. His destiny, and it's a whole lot better than that. A whole lot better. For He knew all about us before we were born, and He destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of His Son. 
from the very beginning of time, he knew exactly what he was going to do because all along he had created you to look like him. He had created you for oneness with him. Uh, having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. It's in your Bible. Go read it. It's just like, it's so straightforward. You were created for oneness with him. You were created to live in a oneness with Jesus, with the Father, with Holy Spirit. You were, sh- you were created to share the same intimacy, oneness, and relationship that the three of them have with each other. You're you're born in the middle of all that. Born again. Where do you think you were born? In the middle of all that. That beautiful, wild, crazy intimacy that they share. Working together, this honor, this... Man, it's wild. We never get there because we're still so stuck in ourselves. I'm saying, let's put that to death. Let's understand that it's not about you. It's not about right and wrong. It's about love. It's about surrender. It's about giving yourself to Jesus. Every day when you wake up, mercy woke you up for another day of intimacy with Jesus so that you can shine and look like Him. If you understand that, I wake up every day and I'm so excited because I got, He woke me up today. He didn't have to. But He chose to wake me up again. And say, you know what? Today, you're going to be closer with me than you've ever been before. And because of that, you're going to become brighter than ever before. And so I want to know Jesus more tomorrow than I do today. That's how I want to live my life. Because I know that in that place, He begins to reveal heaven on earth through me. I'm not trying. He's doing it. Because when I'm one with Holy Spirit and I'm walking through the shopping mall and there's a dude in a wheelchair, I don't have to convince myself to pray for him because I'm one with the Holy Spirit. If Jesus were there, what would he do? that's a lot easier. Or when God gives me a word of knowledge for someone, it's, it's in oneness with Him. He gave it to me. There's authority behind it. I'm not trying to fish for something. So my encouragement to you today is you can live in broken intimacy and you can live mountain to valley with Jesus. And, it, and, it's, and I've been there. And, and I'm, I, I, I find myself sometimes drifting back to that. And you've got to say, okay, Lord, Help me build this healthy root system of relationship and intimacy with you. Help me build this thing deep and firm so that actually the fruit of my life is long lasting. I don't want to just bear fruit for a moment. I want my life. I want you to meet me in 30, 40 years time and I should be more radical than I am today. I should look more like Jesus. In fact, as a community, as a family, if in six months time I don't look more like Jesus than I do today, someone needs to say something. Because we're supposed to be vulnerable with each other. We're supposed to be, we're one. There's a oneness with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. There's a oneness with the bride. So be careful what you're making highest priority in your life. I don't want to stand before Jesus and say, Lord, but I I bought three houses and worked really hard and sent my kids to private school. You know, I was a good dad. I want to stand before Jesus and say, look what we did, Lord. Look how many people came to know you. Look how many people experienced the love of God through me. Look what you did in me, God. That's what it's about. I, I want to get there and go, Lord, we had, a, we had a fun time. That was awesome. We had a great time. But just refreshing from the beginning, I want to encourage you as you go from today, you're called to have a relationship with the Lord. That There is no distance between you and God. There is nothing that can separate you from Him. God's called you into a oneness. It's only from that place that you can actually function. It's only from that place of oneness with the Lord that you can actually shine, that you can actually live. There's no life outside of that. In Romans chapter 6, it talks about being dead to ourselves and being alive to God. Alive to God. It means that I've actually chosen to be dead to everything else. Reckon yourself dead. I've chosen to be dead to everything else, but I've... I've put, positioned and postured my life in a place to live alive to God. Everything that I do is in Him, through Him, and for Him, including my marriage. My love for my spouse is not for them. It's in Him, through Him, and for Him, and only then will she actually receive true love from me. Because then it's not based on her, it's based on Him. Now I get to love her with true love. She gets to love me with true love because it's actually about Him. It's in Him. It's through Him. And it's for Him. 
Even when, when it's a little difficult to love you, it's not for you. <laughs> it's for Him. Because marriage wasn't created for us. It was created for God. And the reason why I share this is because I'm talking about intimacy today. And, and marriage is supposed to be a picture of Jesus and His bride. But we've made it about ourselves. And because we've made it about ourselves, it just got real messy. It's about Jesus and His bride. And if we understand that and we see each other through those lenses, we'll realize that it's always been about Him. Always, from the very beginning. He is so beautiful. You cannot come face to face with Jesus and leave the same. It's impossible. You can't. I tried. <laughs> Man, I want to encourage you with this as well. Be careful that you're not looking for the manifestation and you actually miss what He's doing in your heart. I got shaken. I mean, from a young age, God would do wild things with me. I could roll across rooms and, and crawl through fire tunnels, and God would do all these crazy things. But three years ago, He actually changed me. And it's not to say that since then I've got it all right. But since then, there's been this deep hunger for the heart of God. There's been a deep hunger in me. All the stuff that I was before that, I was going, man, I didn't even know what I was talking about. I was preaching in assemblies at 16 years old, seeing God just crash in on a school. And the very next year, I completely lost my identity, questioning whether God is even real. But then you come to this place where you have actual relationship with the Lord, where suddenly you know His voice. That's a totally different thing. That's called being a son. Some of you today might be here and, and, and you... You live this life of up and down, up and down with the Lord, and, and you, you maybe you see God as someone who can still be frustrated and disappointed. Maybe you didn't even realize that you were seeing it like that. That was me yesterday. I was going, Lord, I just realized I'm still putting things in between us. I'm still being led by my feelings, not by the truth. I'm still being led by experiences when experiences are supposed to bow to truth. I'm still being led by facts. When truth is supposed to reign. So I want to encourage you. If, if you're here today and, and maybe the stuff that I'm talking about today, you're going like, man, I've, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you hear that and you go, ooh, I was born for that. Maybe, I don't know about you, but when I talk about this, even now, I could put my hand up and run to an altar call because I'm like, I just, I, I long for this with Jesus. And the more that I have of him, the more I want. It's like, it's incredible. The more that we feast on Jesus, the hungrier I get for more of Him. And it's only in that place that He becomes real. Has this made sense? I, don't, I had notes and I've danced around them like this. So hopefully I threw out a couple dots and you joined them. <laughs> You've been strategically placed in a sphere of influence by God to shine. But you can't shine unless you have Him inside of you. And if you have Him inside of you, He's there for a reason, so that you can be one with Him and have a relationship with Him. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, tell yourself, mercy woke me up today for intimacy with Jesus and to shine and become like Him. Then when you go to work, it's going to be a good day. There is no such thing as a bad day when that's the reason for living. Because when your reason for living changes, Nothing else can eat your lunch. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's, that's profound. When your reason for living changes, you can't have a bad day. Because you see, you can't reject me if you didn't accept me. I didn't, I didn't, allow, I didn't put my acceptance in you. I put it in Jesus. So, so stuff goes on. Cool. Life happens. Things, you know, life happens. Things happen. Things come crashing in and they're, they're there to shake you. But when you are found in Jesus, you can't be shaken. Your joy can't be shaken. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What does that even mean? Come on. Ha. Let's stand. Let's all. I, I must stop myself. So what we want to do today is... I, if you're here and you've got any form of um, pain, sickness, uh, anything that you know isn't in the nature of Jesus, then we, we want to go after that. Because I don't believe that you should come to church and leave the same. Um, but there might be some of you here. Maybe there's people here that you're hearing what I'm saying. And, and, and I'll throw this out. Maybe you've never even given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've said a prayer. Here's the thing. Jesus never asked for a prayer. Ask for your life. 
Maybe you've said a prayer and you've confessed something, but you didn't really know what it meant to believe in your heart. If that's you here today, I want to create a space for you in a couple minutes to come up and respond. But at the same time, there's people here that are, there's an invitation to that kind of intimacy. There's an invitation where God's saying, this is so much more than what you thought. I'm inviting you into oneness, oneness with me. So there's a, there's a space for that. If you want prayer for that, you don't need prayer, by the way, guys. Truth sets you free. So you can, you can take what I've said today and God can do this in an instant in your heart right now. And you can choose every day. The power of your yes is an incredible thing. You just say yes to Jesus and watch him change your life. But I feel like there are some people here that, that maybe are needing some ministry. So we want to go after that. Can we throw that pad on, dude? If you're comfortable, and if you want to, you don't have to, but if you want to just raise your hands, let's just do that. It's just such a sign of surrender. I love it. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're such a good God, Lord. I thank you that you love us so much that you would make sure that everything's covered, Lord. God, you've done everything, Jesus. There's nothing left to do. There's nothing left to fix. You did it all. I thank you that today there's an invitation for every single one of us, not just to live moment to moment with you, but to live 24-7, 365, in love with you, one with you, in intimacy with you, God. Father, I thank you that today we've been changed from the inside out, Lord, that this word has equipped us and stirred us to go after you with everything, Lord God, that we wouldn't be the same, that when we walk out of here, we'd have such a hunger and a thirst for your voice because it's your voice that defines us. I thank you, God, that those of us that are here today where the past is still speaking into our future and into our present. I thank you, God. Today we, we, make, we draw the line in the sand. We are no longer going to play with dead corpses, Lord. God, we are going to step into the newness with you, Jesus. New life, Lord God. New joy, fresh vision, fresh fire, Lord God. Oh, I thank you for such an impartation of joy in this place right now, Lord. That the joy of the Lord is our strength. God, that you are strengthening our souls right now. Where we've been weary, where we've been tired, where we've carried situations that you never asked us to carry. We lay them down again and we say, God, we trust you. We cannot have intimacy with you without trust. And so we put our trust in you, complete trust, complete trust in you, Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus, we just, right now, we just decide, Father, we will no longer put our trust in the systems of the world. We put it in you because that's where it belongs. We were created for you. Father, I thank you that those that are here today that have never known your voice, you'd reveal yourself to them right now. And tonight when they're laying in their beds and they're falling asleep, I thank you that you would wreck them, Jesus. (laughs) Wreck them, God. Wild dreams, visions, visitations, encounters, Lord Jesus. Life in the Spirit. God, we are not a normal people. It is normal for Christians to live in the impossible. God, you've called us to be a peculiar people. You've called us to be an amazing, an amazing body that is so possessed by the love of God. And I thank you that you are shifting our perspective. You are changing the way we see ourselves, the way we see others, the way we see you, Lord, the way we see the church. God, I thank you that those that have been hurt by church, Father, thank you that you're breaking that off right now. You're breaking that off, Jesus. Because it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Father.